0: Football is back, 41 days after Norwich City's uh, final Premier League game of the season against Tottenham Hotspur. They returned in two action at Oldest Park against Deerham Town in their opening pre-season friendly of the 2022-23 season. It seems to have come so quickly um, and yet that period probably was enough, I think, for um, the break that everyone needed just to uh, recover from and recuperate from what was a very draining Premier League season last time around. Hopefully that's the last time that we mention it. Um, welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. I'm of Southwell, joined by Samuel Seaman and Paddy Davitt to uh, review that 4-0 win over Deerham and also to dissect and talk about some other Norwich City issues uh, that's happened in the last week or so. Um, so Sam, let's let's start with you then. We, we were all at kind of oldest Park on Friday night. The sun was shining for the majority of it. There was a little bit of rain um, and it did feel like a clean slate. I think there was a lot of talk about how it would feel once Norwich City returned to action. The squad hasn't dramatically changed. The kit has changed. Everything else really is was kind of the same. All of the players who played were, were on the books of Norwich City last season. Obviously, no Isaac Hayden in action. It still felt to me like a fresh start, though, which I think is probably what everyone needed, given, as we said, what we saw last season.
1: Yeah, and I think the number of under-23s players involved also helped with that, Obviously, a lot of fresh faces and, as you said, players that were on the books last season, but not too many players that were actually responsible for the car crash of, of a season that 2021-22 was. You know, you look at the the key players, um, I think Todd Cantwell, Jordan Hugo, first half, obviously both spent the, the second period of, of last season out on loan. Um, same as Sam McCallum, who, who played at left-back. Angus Gunn was in goal, having only really um, com- competed for that number one spot in goal towards the end of the season so i don't think there were too many faces that you'd um, immediately associate with with last season and i think that helped as you said obviously the the visual elements like the the kit do help and obviously winning 4-0 even if it's against um Durham town uh, i think any any football fan would struggle to to feel too gloomy after that so um no there were a lot of a lot of positive elements it did feel like a fresh start um, it felt positive and i think you you noticed that from like the the conversations we had with with dean smith um what i saw from from you talking to sam sam McCallum after the game as well there seemed to be a lot more um lightheartedness around and dean smith didn't look like a man that had been weighed down by the pressure of having to save a squad that clearly wasn't good for the premier good enough for the premier league so um yeah i think there was a lot of optimism um for understandable reasons and um hopefully they can Capitalize on it when the the games get a little bit more serious and a little bit more tough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to the game in a little while. Although you'll understand, there's only so much you can analyze of the game because of the the difference in levels of the two teams. So it's it's difficult to maybe go into the football match in too much depth as as we perhaps would do in in, in a game that Norwich City have participated in. Certainly will be doing when the Championship fixtures come around. But just because of the sheer difference, it's it's difficult to really. Um, Look too much probably into what we saw on Friday night, but Pad. I mean, the same question for you, really. Did did it feel like a kind of a new start for you, a, a a page being turned? For certainly for for Dean Smith, it felt like that was necessary, given probably what he inherited, which was a little bit of a mess, if we're being honest in in Premier League terms and sort of on the footballing pitch. Um, he, he didn't have too much to work with, nor he got relegated, probably in the fashion that maybe we probably expected when Daniel Farker was was dismissed it did feel like a little bit of a fresh start and maybe Sam's right maybe that is because of the, the large quantity of young players that were involved and of course obviously 10 players who we yet to see in pre-season because of the international schedule
2: I'd be inclined to agree I think the only freshness for me would would be the sight of a Gibbs a Flynn Clark uh, Et al you know those type of players who aren't really tainted by, by in the main what happened last season so but I don't know whether I've, I've been doing this too long now. But I, I'd, le- I'd I would need to see substantially more evidence over preseason that, that it is going to be different because, as you say, uh, in, in short order, that the international contingent will flow back into the group who are out in Germany now, um, and you know a lot of those will then edge those younger players aside. I think that's logical to assume because uh, you know did did a piece for the for the app over the weekend. You know how how much is Smith willing to gamble by in, by blooding more allied to a Johnny Rowe or a Tony Springett. Not sure at the outset, for, the, for reasons that we all know, you know, it's imperative to get off to a positive start. So we don't think there's going to be huge turnover in terms of the transfer window between now and the end of the, of the transfer window slash start of the new season. So I think it'll be a lot of familiar faces. And that, for me, doesn't feel per se like um, a page has been turned. What would feel like a page has been turned is if we can look back maybe 10 games into the championship season, they've got a good haul of points. There's a style of play that's clear now in the Dean Smith. And, and you know, to be fair to him, he, he was right when he when he pointed out the sort of the ability or, or to, to counter-press, as he said, and, and he made the point it was Durham and, and you have to make allowances for the level of opposition. But irrespective of who you're playing, it's clear that Dean Smith wants to win the ball back, wants to press high, wants to be aggressive, particularly across that midfield area, and that will—that to me—is a marked departure from, you know, what he inherited and what he tried to implement in the Premier League. So, I think I'd, I need a bit more, or well, a lot more, convincing that it's going to be different and it is a fresh start, um, and that there is a new direction of travel under this head coach and his assistant and his other coaches. And you can see where they're trying to get to, and 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 the path is is clear. And obviously, we didn't see Isaac Hayden, and he's the only new senior signing who's come through the door, and um, and I think he, ha- he will have a big role to play, which, again, Dean, when I put it to him after the game at Aldis Park, made it quite clear. He feels he will be a leader and very swiftly will be one of the go-to people within that 11. So, you know, we didn't see him at Aldis Park. He was there sat watching, probably a game or two too early for him, uh, Dean Smith said. Factoring in, you know, he had his injury problems last season. The pitches are very hard still at this early stage of preseason. No risks being taken with him or Sam Byram or Sergeant on my daily Eder. All of those allied to all the internationals coming back in. Not even talked about on El Hernandez and Dan El Sonani, who, who are yet to be seen, but will Dean Smith indicated get their chance over preseason? So for me, no, uh, a little bit too early in the piece to feel that, you know, this is a. This is a new era and we saw the start of it, Aldis Park. Let's see where we are come, you know, well, Cardiff certainly on the opening day of the Championship season. But for me, probably broaden it out and let's fast forward about 10, 10 or so league games. And then I think we'll have a very clear sense of, yeah, this feels fresh, this feels new, this feels exciting and optimistic and positive. And, and all of those, I'm sure a lot of Norwich fans will crave because, um, you know, in contrast, none of those applied last season. I think it's safe to say.
0: Absolutely. We'll come on to maybe the, the transfer front or lack of uh, in, the, in the second half of, of the pod. We're going to spend a, a little bit of time just talking and reflecting on Friday night's game. As I said, maybe not the, the mechanics of the football um, jewel that we saw too much but maybe certain themes that we kind of picked out and you know Paddy you, you spoke about the midfield there and it does feel like Dean Smith does want a dynamic energetic midfield that, that can press and is capable of pressing perhaps in a more intelligent way certainly any kind of evidence that you watch from his time at Aston Villa Brentford as well, or maybe although maybe in a in a slightly more limited way suggests that that is the direction of travel he wants to head in. We we saw it in in many ways in his opening game in charge against Southampton, where he made that subtle tweak in midfield that just pushed um I think it was Kenny McLean and was it Billy Gilmore, um, up slightly. Um and, and that just improved Norwich City's output and what they did in that game and almost swung the pendulum in their favour. That's kind of the direction to me it feels like which is why it was so interesting Sam to see Todd Campwell not just featuring a Norwich City shirt which we'll get back onto in a minute but in the role that he did it was a number eight which is kind of what Scott Parker tried to do with him at Bournemouth last year and he didn't quite manage to make it work plus he felt he had probably better and maybe even more reliable options um, as Bournemouth were gunning for promotion so it's, it's not a completely new concept to Todd but it's a new concept for Norwich City and Todd Campwell and he, I think it's fair to say, was one player that I looked at, again, with the context, with the caveats of the level of their opponents, which we have to do throughout this discussion. But he just looked like a, a happy Todd Cantwell to me, which is something that we've not seen in a Norwich shirt for a little while.
1: Yeah, and he looked like he wanted to be there, um, which uh, I think made a, a change from a couple of, of times towards the end of his spell with Norwich last season. Um and I, th- I think he's probably made the smart decision there really for his own career um writing a piece that's, that's probably going to go out tomorrow on the the, the app actually and and um, I've made the point that he's not going to get a club that's better than the the favorites for Premier League promotion um you know we've seen the links so far um Blackburn Rovers are the only sort of named club that we've seen there's also been um you know noises around a potential foreign loan to a maybe slightly less prestigious Sort of country or league, um, and why would he not? Why would he want to be anywhere other than Norwich City, given the the alternatives? Um, he's got a great opportunity. Given Dean Smith has clearly opened the door to him. Um, after he, he said to us after the match as much, really, he said, uh, Campwell's you know, he's been training well, but he's he's sick of the talking. And he just wants to see some um, some action on the pitch from from him." And I think that's what he saw at Deerham. Obviously, uh, same caveats as we're going to be adding for the whole of this conversation really was that it was dearham and i think that's what makes it difficult to to perhaps judge the extent to which he'll thrive in this new role because effectively when you when you're playing against that much of a low block and and that much of a team that's that are underdogs um sort of everyone apart from your one center back and your goalkeeper is a number 10 in that situation really so it it was difficult to judge his capabilities um maybe there and uh if, if that is going to be the role he plays, I'm looking forward to seeing him um, perhaps against other sides. But we've seen before that he's happy to to do the other side of the game. I remember a performance at Goodison Park um, getting on for three years ago now. I think that was in his real phase of trying to kick on and, and prove people wrong and prove that he was up to the level. Um, and I, I I remember some fantastic backtracking runs and some big sliding tackles. So I think if he puts his mind to it, He's got the enthusiasm and the the energy to play the role. Um, and that was what he, he seemed to have at Durham, that enthusiasm, um, which I, I think we've he's been lacking for a little while now. Um, and it's understandable that he was lacking that on on loan at Bournemouth. Um, you know, probably quite isolated for the first time in his, his footballing career, other than a time at Fortuna Sittar when they were, you know, basically on the way to to promotion. So um you can understand why he's maybe lacked that enthusiasm for a little, a little while, but it was it was excellent to see that back in his play. And if he can keep that against the bigger teams, we've seen him do it against the likes of Arsenal and Manchester City before. If he can do that, he'll definitely impress in pre-season and hopefully in the Championship as well.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, I said I wasn't going to do football analysis, but I had a little bit of, of football analysis. I felt that Norwich weren't as, as penetrative in the second half when he When he was off the pitch, um, it it felt maybe things were a little bit tighter and Deerham were tiring as well, to an extent, which probably had an impact. But uh, it didn't feel like they were cutting through um, Deerham with the the same uh, ease as they were in in, in the first half. Again, you can read as much into that as as maybe you'd like. But, I mean, Sam touched upon it there, Paddy. In in terms of Norwich's midfield more broadly, there does need to be, as we've said, a restructure, a better balance, probably Dean Smith moving to a, a midfield, trio is is what it feels like in a 4-3-3 that that was the system that we saw in both halves on Friday night although a lot of that may be about who he has available rather than kind of his 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 preferred system although that is again what he played at Villa and uh, and at Norwich at times as well um but if you are going to have Todd Campbell in that role it does feel like the structure around him would need to be would need to be right as maybe wasn't the case for someone like Billy Gilmore um, last season for example um but but also, I mean, as as Sam said there, the sort of to quote Elvis Presley, a little less conversation, a bit more action, please, that Dean Smith was kind of asking for for Todd Campwell, that does kind of feel like where everyone is because I think the frustration around him, and we've spoken about him to death on this podcast and written about him um, to death as well and his situation and, and and what a great shame it was, and probably how we weren't expecting to see him in yellow and green again if we're being completely transparent about it, and how probably the the route was a lone move away until the expiration of his contract. But if we do see what Dean Smith is asking of him and that consistency, and you know, maybe a, a cynic would say there was a lot of narratives around Friday's game the fact it was at Deerham, the homecoming, there was a lot of his family that we saw milling around Oldest Park as well. There's maybe a point to prove on, on his part. But the frustrations around him as a footballer is that everyone knows his capabilities. And there is an argument to say that Norwich are looking for a creative presence. Maybe he is the player that, that they need. It's that cliched um, a new signing thing, isn't it? But there's also that on, on his game and in full form, he, he could represent a better player than they may be able to attract this summer anyway. So it does feel like a win-win for both sides. But yet, as Sam says, it still feels like there's a lot to do to, before we kind of are suggesting that we're going to see Campbell line up for Norwich City on, on July the 30th against Cardiff.
2: Yeah, again, without wishing to re- risk repeat what we said, I mean, it, it was... Theorem. It was the very, very gentlest of opening preseason friendlies. I think anybody who extrapolates anything from that game really in terms of what that means for Norwich in the Championship season, I, I think they're probably wider the mark. I mean, fundamentally, the ball's in his court now, and and that's the sense I got from those comments and the way Dean Smith delivered them. Not not exasperation, but almost I've spoken to this guy at length, um, and you can you you can read between the lines that because ultimately when he first came in and took over from Daniel Farker, who came back from the wilderness, relative wilderness, Todd Cantwell, he was straight back in. That tells you all you need to know about the guy's reputation for for a a coach coming in who'd obviously seen what Todd Cantwell was all about probably the the previous Premier League season and that he could influence a game at the highest level. Um, And as I say, you know, with hindsight, and Dean Smith acknowledged it physically, fitness-wise, he wasn't there, he wasn't at the level to be able to influence games. But as a footballer, he didn't need to convince Dean Smith because Dean Smith brought him back in. And um, and I get the distinct sense that he's tried to get inside Todd Cantwell's head and try to light a fire under him. And and ultimately, it got to the point where, come January, he decided enough was enough. And um, off he went to Bournemouth with a buy option worth reiterating that. You know, that isn't something uh, a club in Norwich's position would have Agreed to if Dean Smith felt Todd Cantwell was part of his longer-term plans. Um, as it turned out, he, he didn't end up going to Bournemouth. They didn't take out the buy option. He comes back. Norwich protect themselves by exercising the 12 months as they did with Timu Puki. But um, but there's there's a hell of a, a rowback that needs to happen for 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 it to come from that position where essentially Dean Smith and Norwich City were willing to let Todd Cantwell go this summer. So now he is the answer to that creative midfield quest. Um, it can happen. Uh, it is possible. There's plenty of examples throughout football in previous times of players who seemingly looked like they were out the door and, and managed to work their way back in. But fundamentally for Dean Smith, it clearly has to come from Todd Camp. Well, The ball is in his corner. He has to show in terms of his performance level on the pitch, in terms of how he carries himself around the group, in terms of how he interacts, the body language, the positivity. Dean Smith needs to see that on a regular basis now to, I think, feel that, right, I can trust this guy. Yes, we'll keep him in the building now and he can be a big player for us this season. I think there's a lot of imponderables there at the moment at this very early stage of pre-season to suggest that Todd Campbell is firmly back in the mix. For me, I still think it tips more towards we get to the end of the summer, end of the transfer window and, and he's probably not part of it, but you know, while he's here and while while he's seemingly happy with life and and enjoying being part of it, then who knows? Because fundamentally, there is a player who I think is as good as any in the current Norwich squad in terms of that creative element that they could add in that part of the pitch, a key part of the pitch. But for that to happen, um it's got to come from Todd Cantwell. And and Sam's points are right. I don't think he could get a better gig currently now than the Norwich City. Who you would reasonably expect to be competing at the right end of the championship. He's not getting any younger. He's probably seen others of his own peer group bypass him and move on. Um, in terms of the game, more generally, not not Norwich per se. You know, at some point, if he's to fulfil his potential, which he he still is capable of doing, it needs to click. And if it's not going to be Norwich, it needs to click elsewhere. But it needs to click, and uh, you know, he cannot afford another season like the last one that he had where. He's on the margins at two different clubs and and basically he's he's wasting his talent fundamentally. Um, so we would all hope that it is to happen here, but I still feel it's probably going to be uh, a part in other ways. Um, but, you know, while, while he's in the building, then, of course, and while Norwich haven't addressed that creative midfield deficit in terms of the transfer window, then why wouldn't you, if you're Dean Smith and Stuart Webber more broadly, why wouldn't you look at Todd Cantwell and think, this guy could be the answer for us and give him the platform and the opportunity. But then he has to pick up the baton and he has to run with it. And uh, really, I think fundamentally, whether he stays or goes, will rest on Todd Cantwell and what Todd Cantwell feels he wants to be. Does he want to be a part of this? And if so, showing Norwich and Dean Smith um, that he wants to be part of it. And it's not enough really just to come back and, you know, as Dean Smith intimated, you know, he's he's been really good around the place and he's everything he's asked of him, he has delivered. That needs to now happen over a much broader period of time. Um, and if that does happen, then, then who knows? But it's positive that there is possibly a way back, but it still feels like a lot of miles that have to be covered by Todd Cantwell in order for, really, you get to Cardiff on the opening weekend and Todd Cantwell's in that 11. I, I just don't see it, frankly.
0: No, and, and I guess from Norwich's perspective, from what you've said there in terms of kind of Todd and the expectation, and I'd probably feel the same, that come the end of the, the summer uh, transfer window, which ends in September, it probably does feel like um, the, the, the most likely outcome is for him not to be a Norwich City player. But in that, in, in that regard, I suppose it's, it's maybe a win-win for Norwich because they either have Todd Campbell, someone who, as we all know, is a, is a wonderful footballer when he's on it and happy and firing uh, and in form, or they go with the plan that they probably already formulated anyway without him involved and uh, and it's up to him to kind of disprove that and um maybe what this represented was a flicker of light and less so kind of the football and yes he was involved in the two goals but actually it was the willingness to receive the ball it was the um the creativity that that he displayed and uh, and it just added something i, I felt to no city's play again with the caveat of who the opposition is now let's see if he goes and does it on saturday against bundesliga 2 um opposition as well, I mean, if we, we talk about the game more generally, Jordan Hugill scored Norwich City's first two goals. Um One was a header from from a set piece. The second one, again, Campbell clipped a wonderful pass into spring it. Um, it would have been a penalty had Jordan Hugill not, uh, not have tapped it in. That was uh, then, then saw Norwich change 11s completely in the second half. Both 11s were kind of a mix of uh, experienced first team players and, uh, and young players, um two of which combined for the the third goal, Flynn Clark um, sort of teeing up Tom Dixon-Peters to, to slot away for free. And then Kieran Dow um, netted a penalty later on after John Rowe was uh, was bundled over by Ross Billam. So that was, that was kind of the, the story as was. Uh, Norwich, as you expect, would have lots of the ball, probably could have had more. Um, credit to Deerham for the fact that they, they conceded after seven minutes. I think a lot of people inside Aldis Park would maybe have expected that to go one way and it, it didn't. So, um, yeah, that was uh, a positive.
2: Then what have you got in Isaac Hayden's first time about a chance to really speak to you about him? What, what, what will he bring that maybe you didn't feel you had in the group last season?
3: an understanding and knowledge of both the Premier League and, and the Championship, um, an understanding of the game. Uh, can win the ball back very well for you. He's, he's, his stats in terms of repeated sprints are, are very good and he handles the football really well as well. So um, I think you'll... He'll be one of the leaders within the dressing room, even though you know he'll be new. Um, I think that's just his style and his character. So, uh, from what I've seen so far, really excited to work with him. I mean, you
2: said towards the end of the season you'd like to maybe add a, a bit of creativity in the midfield area, top end of the pitch. That sort of link player is that still?
3: Yeah, that's need? still one that we're looking at as well.
2: And you've got obviously when everybody's fit and available, that's a lot of numbers you have got there, and we've seen you know already you know Chevy maybe
3: getting linked with Birmingham, anything in that. I have loan. no idea. i would leave that to Stuart, as you know.
2: But in a broader point, you'd look to maybe trim it a little bit because that's a lot of players to carry. Yeah,
3: no, the this, this squad will need trimming, that's for sure. Um... You know we've got ten players coming back from international duty so to carry that many going into the season is too many uh, but we want to give all all the players the opportunity to start with the likes of uh, anel Hernandez and anel, uh, Sanani coming back from their loan periods um, Sam's obviously played tonight with Jordan scored a couple so we want to give them all the opportunity to show us what what they're about as well um, you know and make decisions then on on what we need to keep and what what we uh, need to move on.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Like you said, there's a lot of lads you know about, but you haven't actually seen them close up. So, are you really still very open minded in that regard? And we'll look at it now over pre season.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, as I say, it's an opportunity for some of these young lads as well, you know. Uh, Tony and and Jonathan got their opportunities last season, um, you know, and some of the young 23s have had a chance as well, and they'll have a further chance next week in Germany. On a
2: point, in Germany, as you say what are you looking now for this week now to go out there and a bit of bonding as well as the football side it'll
3: be a bit of bonding as well as the football but you know there'll be a couple of doubles and treble sessions while we're out there as well so a couple of early rises for them Um, so you know it's uh, I I really like going away with the players because it's you know 24-7 you really get to to see them and and know about them and, and learn about them um, and Gives us that opportunity now. Final one for me. Not we don't want to hop
2: back to last season, but do you get the sense now you're back in? Like you've had a week or two to work with the guys. That the page
3: has turned. Everybody can look forward now and have a bit of optimism. Yeah, now the page has turned. It's gone. Um, you know we're concentrating now on on this season and uh, what we can do. Cheers,
1: Just Cheers. one for me. That's right. You brought uh, Todd Campbell back in today. What are you hoping to
3: see from him this season? Yeah, and you know I had a chat with Todd at the end of last season, and I said you know the time. We've, we've had a couple of t- chats previously. There's no point in us keep talking about things now. We all want to see action on the football pitch. And he's coming in, he's trained really well so far. And, um, you know, and that's what he needs to continue doing. And he knows that.
0: We live Norwich City. The builder.
3: The passion.
0: <laughs> the drama. The last minute winners. The debate. <laughs> that's why we've created Pink and Plus. The app that takes you beyond
2: the headlines. With exclusive columns, blogs, podcasts and videos, we've got you covered.
0: (laughs) Subscribe today. Pink and Plus. Stay ahead of the game. Download now on the App Store and on Google Play. So if we we start with your reflections on on that game overall, Probably, probably on the pitch first and then we'll probably speak about the occasion in general.
4: Yeah, I think on the pitch, it was obviously a, a, a tough not, uh, you know, tough game for us as we, were, you know, we knew it was going to be. Um, but we stuck in there and, um, you know, for us, it was just about making sure we were, you know, honest throughout until the, until the end. And we were. And um, for us, we've had two training sessions, two pre-season training sessions, and we're in against Norwich for the first pre-season friendly. So we knew we, knew we were going to suffer. Um, but I thought we held, you know, we held in there. Obviously, they just their quality, you know, their ability on the ball, their movement. You know their interchanges, brilliant, and it's you know fantastic for our boys to play against that. Great for us to watch it from the sides and be close to it and um, and see what they do. And um, yeah, they were obviously you know very good side. They had probably ninety percent of the ball, I'd say, and uh, as as we expected. But for us, we stuck at it. Like I say. Um, we wanted to make sure we tried to make it as difficult as we could for them, and, and I felt we did that, you know, with an honest performance. And uh, obviously the class showed, you know, uh, over the game as, as we expected. But really pleased with, with what we've done tonight, yeah. Mm.
0: yeah and just finally, obviously, we, we saw basically every side of this ground full. There were queues when I arrived at half past four, ain't there, there were queues when, when you arrived as well. The, the bar was full. There was those was people queuing for burgers. I mean, good night all round for the football club as an occasion, as a spectacle, and obviously financially as well.
4: Yeah, it is. And what I'd say about Norwich. Um, is that they're, they're really um, their self-awareness to a club like this is is I, I, I thought was exemplary tonight. They they knew what tonight meant to us as a football club as well, and I think the way they've approached it, they've played obviously Kids. players that um, you know that are, that are first team players, um, which again has attracted people to come here, and uh, you know even little things like they've tweeted the game and stuff, and and, and it just generates that interest, and and I'm just so thankful to them and how they've been and they're just they're just a class actor today. i've got to say just everything about it obviously on the pitch but off the pitch you know they're really really respectful and yeah i just can't thank them enough you know for, for for having a game with us and and that sets us up so well for this season now that's probably a good portion of our budget for the season in one night which is just brilliant and um and, you know, there's that's nights like that, you, you know, you, you just have to capitalise and think we have tonight. So that's great.
0: On their behalf as well. I think this is probably the right time for us to bring you some audio from both of the managers. So here's Paddy's chat with Dean Smith. And then afterwards, here's me catching up with Deer & Town boss, Adam Gusterson. Okay then, gents. If we uh, if we pick this up then, in terms of where Norwich City are in the transfer window, because it's obviously the the hot topic, and you know, me myself and Sam have come off a Q and A. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, where that has basically dominated the whole of of the discussion. So, Pat, if we if we start with you, really, um, I I feel that certainly at this time of the summer, where pre season's beginning, and maybe not a lot from a Norwich City perspective has happened. There's always kind of this desperation to see something, particularly when fans are seeing clubs like Burnley and uh, and other clubs who maybe could be in the Alnor City next season make additions and strengthen. I think Cardiff are on their their 50th signing or something like that. It Feels like they sign someone every other week. Um, but it is kind of that. To me, it feels like a desperation for a club to be seen to be doing something. It is a lot of what transfer window is. A lot of kind of posturing and 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 whatnot. It's been pretty deadly silent from an Ori City perspective, both in terms of incomings and outcomings. So if we start with the, the incomings, obviously Isaac Hayden has arrived, so they've made one addition. Um I guess the the question people will, will want asking is why is what has followed since been so quiet? Why has it been so 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 uh, I guess a void that hasn't been filled with rumors or speculation or links to players or even deals being done?
2: Well, I mean ultimately there's the the primary factor there for me is the financial situation. Um, you know, we again we've touched on this at length in various broadcasts that we've done pretty recently on these channels. And, you know, fundamentally, you take your lead from Stuart Weber's comments at the end of last season that they could do one or two pieces of business and then anything else dependent on outs. Well, you know, Isaac Hayden is clearly one or two of those other pieces of business. Dean Smith confirmed again as he did at the end of last season. But but after Friday night's game at Durham, they, they're still desperate to bring in a creative midfielder. Um, however you want to package out, whatever label you want to put on that. Is it a 10? Is it an 8? Um, are they box to box? Or are they more of a wide operator in those middle thirds if he's going with a three and a three? So, you know, but essentially somebody who can unlock doors, somebody who can link with your strike force, somebody who can add goals and assists in decent quantities. That's what I read into that desire to bring somebody in um but fundamentally you know as the squat twine sort of deal to Burnley uh, would underline if, if that's the going rate for that type of player four million plus Norwich don't have those funds right here right now and and that's why it feels very much a holding pattern yes of course there's plenty of work will be going on in the background they will be as in Stuart Webber primarily in constant dialogue with agents representatives other clubs um and they will have plans in place ready to go. But fundamentally that can only happen if the finances are there. And, you know, if it is increasingly now dependent on hypothetically, a Max Aaron's departing, a Mila Rashid to departing, a Christos Jollis departing, uh, not all three, but maybe one of to facilitate those plans, then really it's, it's putting the, uh, the pieces in the right order at the right time. And, and that hasn't fundamentally happened yet. They haven't managed to shift those players and, the nature of how these things get put together with the bigger deals is for Norwich is probably going to be towards the end of the window, certainly closer to the start of the season before there is tangible firm uh, movement out, which would then facilitate in. I mean, I've got a sense that if they could do an exit or two, then it might end up being more than the one or two that, that Stuart Webber indicated. But, you know, very much that messaging for me was, was designed to lower expectations and not to expect uh, maybe a, a Cardiff style turnover in terms of volume. That simply isn't going to happen. You, you, you're ignoring what A. Stuart Weber said in that interview at the end of the season. But what Dean Swift said ad nauseum about we don't need to make wholesale changes. I feel I've got the majority of a squad good enough to to stay at the right end of this this division they're going into. So essentially it's targeted and targeted means pretty low numbers in terms of financial uh, uh, availability of players, but but also maybe what Dean Smith feels is needed. He doesn't feel it needs a wholesale top-to-bottom route and branch overhaul in terms of personnel, because in order to, even if the finances were there to do that, to do that and basically mould almost a brand-new team and a brand-new squad to pick up results, to be competing at the right end of the Championship, in one window, very, very difficult, nigh on impossible. So for me, it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise that we sat here, pre-season is underway and they've made one signing and that is essentially a loan deal as it stands you know yes there are caveats which could turn Isaac Hayden's move into a permanent from Newcastle um but right now they've made one loan signing that to me tells you exactly where they are in terms of the finances and crucially and that what they do inward will hinge pretty pretty much exclusively on what they can do outward and as we sit here recording this Max Aarons is a Norwich player, Mia Rasheets is a Norwich player, Christos Zollis is a Norwich player. Uh, and until any of that or any other players potentially you could go out the door changes, then I think it's going to be a bit more holding pattern for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot, a lot of it after relegation felt quite reactive and and that's understandable from a supporter's perspective of why maybe you would want the squad overhauled after the season that that we all watched and a lot of players proving that they weren't good enough at the level that ultimately Norwich City are are trying to sustain themselves at but Sam it almost feels to me like you have to take a step back from that you have to recognise that the the standard of football is going to be significantly lower next season Norwich City probably are going to be able to compete at the top end of the championship in whatever form that looks like unless something goes drastically wrong in which case probably there would be, then be a change of uh, of coach, which we would expect. But this kind of approach to continuity probably is what we expected, I, I would say. But, but also there will be a lot of people looking at it and saying that that's fine. And, and the focus clearly has to be on next season. But there'll be people looking longer than that. And they'll be saying, well, if Norwich, if, when, Norwich City get themselves back in the Premier League, if they do so with a massive core of the squad that was part of last season's um, uh, disaster is probably a bit strong, but certainly relegation. Um, what's changed? What's different? What's new about about that season? So it does feel like people are maybe looking a season in advance of this. But can you kind of understand why people are doing that, given where Norwich City are at this moment in time?
1: Yeah, because the, the end goal isn't just to get promoted again, is it? The end goal is to break the cycle and stay in the Premier League. So you can understand why fans are already looking ahead to... to... That task um obviously it's it's not a given whatsoever that they're gonna be promoted but it, it is a valid point because um you know the fact is the last time they they went up to the premier League, they sold their best player and they lost their second best player to back to their parent to his parent club because it was a loan deal and and you can understand them you can understand fans um wanting to secure that future because you know as as uh as, as strange as it sounds, they're, they're bored of championship promotion and they're used to championship promotion and that's that's not the point anymore. Um, Norwich are used to championship promotion and everybody expects them to get promoted every time they're in the championship. So you can understand them looking ahead to it. To sort of address your your earlier points about the level, I do think that you have to sort of take a step back and, and see it within the context of the, the competition that they'll be facing. You look at somebody like Pierre Les Malou, lots of experience in a a top flight the top flight in France um, has now got a Premier League season under his belt um, you know Milo Rashica, uh, well regarded in Germany of course by the likes of Aston Villa in in recent years and you know all these players that they signed for multi-million pounds yes it didn't work out for them but those players were still they still had to give Stuart Webber a, a reason to sign them in the first place and those reasons and those talents still exist um, I was speaking to a a journalist that covers, covers Huddersfield Town after um, they confirmed that they wouldn't be signing Daniel Sinani on a permanent deal. And he said that to provide some context, they hadn't spent more than £1.5 million on a player in three years. And they they finished, I think, third last season. That's the the context of the league that Norwich are entering and the level of competition there is. And, you know, I've seen a lot of fans of maybe more established championship clubs that are upset about the the parachute payment situation. And I'm sure there's plenty of reasons why Norwich fans would defend their club for that and would look to explain that. But it is a fact that the clubs in receipt of those parachute payments are in a much greater financial situation than their competition. And just because they can't spend four, five, six million pounds on a player, which doesn't seem a lot in the current footballing climate, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to to compete at the real top end of the championship, both financially and on the pitch. They've still got the talents of those players that they brought in last season. And um, I think the the main reason that people are overlooking why they, they maybe can't spend as much as fans might want this summer is that last last summer feels like a long time ago. And the fact was they did spend a lot of money. By Norwich City standards, it was an enormous amount of money that they spent in the transfer market last summer. If they hadn't done that, if they had gone for a sort of, you know, 1.5 million type situation like they did in 2019, it might be that now they'd be looking at it with a, a really healthy budget to comfortably win the championship. But th- th- as I said earlier, the goal isn't to get promoted again. The goal is to stay in the Premier League. And that was why they went all out last summer. That's why they, they maybe are having to to bank on the squad they've already got this summer. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's... There's going to be an adjustment period and I understand why people have reacted the way they have after last season. But, you know, as you said, you just have to look at the context of the the level they're competing at now. It's, It's nowhere close to the Premier League and I think the gap is widening.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And it's, it's also worth noting that as we record this, it's the 4th of July. So they've still got quite a considerable amount of time to do more business and they will do more business. That feels like uh, it, it needs saying as well. But there's, there's an interesting element as well, Paddy. We've kind of touched upon the financial stuff, but the size of their squad is is really interesting as well, because it's a, a significantly bloated squad, 30 plus players. We've already mentioned a contingent of 10 players who, um, who, who are yet to kind of start pre-season off the back of Norwich playing a, a, a game where they feel they're two separate 11s. Um, it's a squad of 30-plus players. Obviously, how much of the under-23s you want to include in that squad is is entirely up for you, up to you, really. But do, do you find that situation interesting given some of the remarks that Stuart Webber made when he first walked into the door in, in 2017 about big squads and how that there was a lot of players that Norwich City were maybe struggling to to shift and get rid of and that maybe is is perceived to be certainly the the situation that they're in at, at the moment. Dean Smith again on Friday um, when when uh, it was in that. That huddle, whether it was to you or not, I'm not. I can't quite remember. But he, he spoke about the, uh, a need to trim the squad further. We've we've already kind of reported about Shemeswav Poeta, and it looks like he's out on loan. Christoph Solis, there's Mila Rashica as well. We could list several others. It, it probably doesn't feel like Onel Hernandez and and Denel Sanani are both going to be at Norwich City next season. So numerically, there's a, there's a a struggle as well. But but what do you make more broadly of the way Norwich City squad looks at the moment, given perhaps some of the comments that that Stuart Weber and others have made in the past as well?
2: Well, I mean, numbers-wise, it is on the bloated side. And Dean Smith acknowledged that and said there will. It wasn't that we'll weigh it up. There will be departures. And uh, you might see the start of that in, in in very short order in terms of Poeta moving on. But uh, I don't know. It, I'd have, you'd have to take a step back and think about it in terms of the more broader point you're trying to make there, Connor. about, you know, has it, it, Stuart Weber gone full circle from what he inherited, which was... I think slightly different in terms of it was a lot of players on big money um because they'd kind of oscillated between the two divisions and maybe the financial contractual side of it wasn't quite as tightly policed as it certainly is now under under his stewardship and and i think his point was they would have senior pros on good money who when saturday swung around in the championship were nowhere near the matchday squad um and that clearly isn't a healthy football situation in terms of that hunger that you want among a group of players who want to strive and push on and achieve things because maybe they'd already achieved things and they were coming back down the other way in terms of their career path or too many of them were in that group but also the finances. What is the point in paying tens of thousands of pounds out to players who are not materially involved uh, on a match day? That makes no sense whatsoever. Certainly not within a self-funded model uh, which is very much the case at Carrow. So I think there are differences um in terms of the You know the 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 processes that have have led Norwich to maybe come back round again in terms of purely looking at the numbers. And and you're right. You know, if you maybe take out the 23s development young lads, the senior count isn't quite as as bloated as it feels. Um, But there's no doubt that successive windows have now left a, a bit of an imbalance in terms of the squad, both in terms of numbers and maybe certain areas of the park. As opposed to other areas, you know we talk about you know the midfield looks a bit light in the center of the park still even with Hayden arriving you know the full back areas if if they you know if it was that max aarons departed you, you you'd look at that area and is is there enough cover there now um and so there is there is a bit of a bit in balance and there is a, and of course what's happened in the intervening period is you know Daniel Farker was very much working in tandem with Stuart and his recruitment types. And now Dean Smith comes in and, and clearly he will have different views on those type of players that that he inherited to, to maybe his predecessor. And that has to be factored in as well. But you yeah, know there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that if you boil that back down to what Stuart Webber said when he came in, that they needed a hungry group of players to drive standards up and drive that club forward again, it feels like there's a bit of work to be done in that area because there are a lot of players there who've Been on the journey for quite a number of seasons now, and you know, I don't want to really pick him out and say he's the problem. But a Christoph Zimmerman, who by no manner of means is a problem, he's, he's a great professional, he's the ultimate professional. But is he the type of player you need now to drive you back on again, onwards and upwards? I'm not sure he is. Um, ditto for me, Hernandez, ditto Puerta and, and one or two others, maybe even Jordan Ugle, who I know around the place as an architect. Uh, in terms of the mood uh, and the personality that he is is worth his weight but on the football side of it is he going to improve norwich's stock at the top end of the pitch not sure so yeah there are there is clearly a need for uh, a degree of resha- reshaping refreshing um, and Dean Smith knows that quite clearly because he was very open on friday night that they do need to You know, thin the squad out because I think there's too many there now who are on the journey who aren't going to really be big players in the championship and certainly wouldn't be if they reach the end goal, which is back in the Premier League. So, whether that all happens in this window, probably not. But I think in the next window or two, you will see an acceleration in that process of trying to, you know, thin the squad out and and maybe again, as we were told previously, it's about quality, not quantity. That was the buzzword. Last summer, I think that was the buzzword in previous windows as well, that they want to drive up. You know, it's just popped into my head this sort of parallel, with, which is not a good parallel now, given Burnley have joined them in the Championship. But the way Burnley, up until last season, were able to stay in the Premier League with a, a much smaller nucleus of a squad, but maybe the quality threshold was there. Now, clearly, they did fall through the trapdoor with Norwich. So, you know, to a point, you accept it. But, but I think fundamentally, They've got too many professionals on the books now, and and there's not going to be necessarily a lot of those for me who are going to be part of it moving forward. So, yeah, uh, I think, but 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 I would stop short of that. Stuart Weber cautioned against something and has now engineered a situation that he finds himself the one that he inherited. I think it is different. I don't, I don't think you have that end of an era to the same degree in terms of the group of players because I think the hunger had gone out of that group. And um, you know, they were on big money, and 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 their appetite for for what lay ahead for a club who were you know in a in a need of shock treatment wasn't really the case. I don't think that's necessarily the situation with this group of players. It's just that there's a few of these players who aren't good enough to move Norwich forward. I don't think.
0: And uh, and I would agree. And and based on kind of what we've what we've said there, Sam. It. It makes it feel like it's it's a bigger summer for maybe who leaves Norwich City rather than, than than who comes in. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so, just mainly in, in terms of numbers, but also in terms of quality, I think the fact is unfortunately that um, when you get when you get relegated, probably the players that leave are going to be more capable than a than number of a <clears throat> number of the players that, that come in. You know, they're looking at probably if you want to raise those sorts of funds, if you want to bring in significant amounts of money to, to fund other players, you're probably going to lose the likes of Max Aaron's, Milo Rashica, uh, Chris Australis, as, as we spoke about before. Um, and then probably coming in at a players that you're taking more gambles on um, than, than those sorts of assured quality players that you know are leaving. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's pretty boring for fans and it's probably quite boring for us as journalists covering it. But, yeah, the fact is probably most of the things you're going to see around the media and, and in talks around Norwich City are going to be which players are leaving, which which clubs are interested in them. And that's that's what we're left with this, this summer, really. And it's quite unfortunate because, you know, it's a year after what was looking like one of... Norwich's most exciting windows ever. Um there there were parallels really with that sort of twenty thirteen, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel, Gary Hooper, Leroy Fur summer in terms of the excitement in fans and then the sort of drop off in, in terms of the performance from those players. So um yeah, a year later to be looking at a summer of probably fringe players trying to be moved on is a bit a bit less exciting. But I think that's the way that football's been really since sort of the, the COVID situation. It's it's become a lot more about players with slightly longer on their contracts than maybe clubs would like and trying to shift players and trying to get other clubs to commit financially when, you know, the money situation, apart from for sort of Champions League clubs and and clubs right up there isn't great. Trying to to find clubs for the likes of Shem Poeta, you know, maybe... Ono Hernandez or Daniel Sinani, if, if Dean Smith decides he, he doesn't want to keep either of those around, those sorts of players, Jordan Hugill, trying to get clubs in this financial climate to commit to those sorts of players is difficult. So that's probably the more tough part of Stuart Webber's remit at the moment is is trying to to offload those players rather than trying to find the players to, to replace them. Because I think once he has the finances... Um, to, to find a, a player that's going to produce in the Championship, in my opinion, is much easier than trying to get a buying club to commit to the likes of Christos Jolis or James Poeta or Hernandez because, because of the situation Norwich find themselves in, not only financially, but off the back of a pretty miserable relegation. How do you try and sell these players to clubs? So I think that's the task that Stuart Weber is facing this summer. And unfortunately, the task that Norwich fans are facing is consuming that sort of content this summer rather than the exciting content they were they were part of last summer.
0: Yeah and and I think it's worth saying as well that continuity is not always a bad thing in football Norwich have have done it quite well after relegations from the Premier League in the last few attempts they've managed to retain continuity and and made a success of that and, and maybe utilize that when lots of teams who've been relegated in the past have have opted for significant amounts of change with varying degrees of of success, be it Sunderland going all the way through, or even someone like Sheffield United who who changed their their coach, their style, tried to go for a completely in a completely different direction, it didn't work. So often, Norwich have found continuity does work, which is why maybe watching someone like Burnley, who are trying to not just they've not just changed their coach, they're also trying to or it seems like they're trying to completely change their their culture, their ethos, their philosophy. That's maybe where Norwich already have a, a leg up on them, and, and that will obviously remain to be seen. Perhaps they won't. Perhaps Burnley will hit the ground running. We'll see, but. Just as an example, you can kind of see the line of thinking and overhauling a squad as a general rule of thumb doesn't usually translate to a team doing remarkably well in the championship. You only need to look at Daniel Farker's first season in charge of Norwich City to to figure that one out. And and also, Sam, I think your comments about kind of what football is like more broadly at the moment with the difficulties in finances. We've spoken on this podcast before about Steve Morrison's comments in, and that's just the championship that is repeated across the the world, some in in top divisions at top clubs. So I was reading something the other day that said, effectively, now um, any any Premier League club, maybe beyond some of the newly promoted ones, are now in a position where they can go and compete with any club in the world who aren't in the Champions League. That's quite a uh, a serious place to to be in. And obviously Norwich aren't in the Premier League, so that makes life a bit more difficult financially, and it probably does lend itself to um, a few more loans. So, um, Pat, if we kind of assess where Norwich City are at the moment because I think the general perception is maybe that their squad isn't anywhere near complete and it isn't anywhere near where supporters would need it to be to represent that shift that we suggested and we spoke about at the start of the podcast it wouldn't represent that page being turned ultimately only wins will will do that in the championship as we said and as Dean Smith has said before winning is the best sticking plaster but you can already see a scenario where Norwich perhaps haven't evolved their squad to what the fans would like, a difficult start to the Championship, suddenly pressure does become really significant as well. So how much of this is about holding their nerve and not, uh, um, we've used this phrase so much in the Daniel Far career of ignoring the noise, that maybe feels even more significant at the moment, given maybe some of the, the conversations and the general discourse around their transfer activity at this moment in time.
2: Yeah, and I don't think in purely transfer-related terms, I don't think they would... Uh, listen to the noise um, because Stuart Webber's not one who who seemingly is buffeted by uh, ITK demanding whatever 25 million pound players to arrive at Carr Road Um, he he likes to poke fun at that as we know and uh, he's also not one who uh, uh, as a general rule is uh, is uh, is there at uh, five to five to deadline night uh, furiously pressing send on the file of facts or whatever trying to get paperwork through File of fax, file of file, uh, fax machine, because I was a uh, file of fax. I had a conversation with you about that, Connor, the other day. You probably boys don't even know what a file of fax is. The you? I at do me. actually.
0: I, I used to, I used to sell them very occasionally uh, on my Sunday oh, yeah. shifts at WH Smith. So oh, uh, I know course. I know all about file of yeah, yeah, yeah. faxes. Yeah,
2: yeah. So anyway, probably so uh, no, no. So I, I, I uh, yeah, We were delving into my file of fax with some numbers the other day. That's so I, I'm going off on a major tangent here, but fundamentally. I, I, I don't think, uh, as I say, I don't think Norwich will have. And one thing you would say, irrespective of whether they got it right last summer, which they clearly didn't, in terms of being fit for purpose for the Premier League. But, but they're very, since Stuart Weber arrived, right, very methodical, very you know, measured in what they try and do in win in the window and working windows ahead. And of course, there was recruitment changes last summer, notably Kieran Scott eventually departing from Middlesbrough as Webber's right-hand person, you could say, prior to that. Um, and that would have been a bit of a destabilising destabilizing factor. But I think basically what they want to do this summer won't be impacted by what's happening or isn't happening around the game. I thought it was really interesting we carried the quotes. Max Aarons is, well, the head of his agency, New Era, Jamie Morally, um, former footballer talking more generally about the the pace or lack of uh, in the transfer window and of course there is a domino effect in the transfer window you know the bigger clubs will do business that money then circulates down the tree and and you see there is a knock-on effect and and he talked about this lack of continuity at clubs like Chelsea and Manchester United principally where there has been change there is in his opinion you know maybe a lack of now in terms of recruitment and putting deals together. And and that's why those clubs have struggled to to get business done. And he contrasted those with maybe what's happened to Arsenal now, where there is, you know, a very settled system in place around uh, Mikel Arteta. And you can see that they were out of the traps very early. They've done some very seemingly astute business. Um, and and the fact that there is that disruption at the top end of the game, maybe in England, maybe that's having a knock on effect, you know, because Max Ahrens, he's been linked uh, to those type of clubs in the past. And, you know, if if there'd been maybe more maybe certainty at Manchester United, I'm not saying Manchester United are particularly interested now in Max Aarons, despite what Rio Ferdinand wants to suggest otherwise at the start of the summer. But, you know, if deals could have accelerated a bit quicker at the top end of the tree, maybe we'd have seen now that that would percolate down to where Norwich are and where they are in the window. But, you know, fundamentally, this all comes back round to Norwich are hamstrung in terms of they probably do need to sell those type of player to generate funds of a significant nature to do more than the one or two bits of business, which is probably where the measure is at at the minute. So I certainly don't see a situation where Norwich are going to get bounced by whatever the sentiment is amongst their fan base uh, into doing business that A, they they don't want to do or B, they're not able to do at the minute. So I think it's going to be more the same. I think until something significant changes in terms of outs... Um, don't expect much different to happen in terms of wins. And uh, that's why, to take Sam's point, I think a lot of the, the activity is going to be around the pruning element of the squads at this stage. And by that, I don't mean the ones that they could actually shell for substantial sums. It's probably more the housekeeping element.
0: Uh, agree. Good discussion, chaps. Um, just, just finally, then um, Norwich City obviously off to or are in Germany uh, this week, as as we record this in in Bavaria, uh, Grazau, I think to to be a bit more specific. You, you may have seen some of the videos or some of the social media posts from the players. It looks uh, a very picturesque part of the world. But as Dean Smith uh, and you will have heard it in in the chat earlier in the show, said it's it will be double sessions, triple sessions. Uh, it will be hard work as well as kind of bonding exercises as well. Norwich City obviously uh, play a game on Saturday. Uh, I can already hear people asking if there's going to be a stream. Um, I think that is probably the plan, whether or not it, it gets executed as was the case with Deerham on Friday night. We shall see. Um, we're obviously certainly hoping that there is because there will, um, more than likely be, be some of us, if not all of us covering that game, uh, from home. So, uh, our hope is that there is one, but we shall see. Um, obviously that's, that's up for the club to keep us updated on that. Um, but otherwise, we'll, of course, uh, keep you updated on all of our relevant channels, uh, pinkin.com and the Pinkham Plus app as well. If you're yet to uh, to try that out, no better time than in pre-season with games coming thick and fast, stories coming thick and fast as well. We've got some really good content on there. Sam uh, referenced uh, a piece he's written on, on Todd Campwell, which uh, is is, is going to be an excellent read. Um, Paddy's stuff from the weekend as well. Um, various bits and, and pieces to get your your teeth stuck into uh, your one-stop shop for all things Norwich City. And uh, as I say, you can get a one-month free trial on that now if you want to see what all the fuss is about. Uh, And we hope, we think that you'll enjoy it once you get over there as well. I think that'll do us then. That's this week's uh, Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again very, very soon.